Hope you have your Bibles, but we're going to be in uh, Psalms today, Psalms 51, and it's right up there for you just to meditate on the whole time. But as you're getting there, I just wanted to share a little bit about my childhood. Um, we're, we're in a pretty young crowd here, so when I say I grew up in the 70s, it might freak a little of you out, but hopefully not all of you. But in the 70s, there was this cool invention. There was, I'm not sure who invented it. I guess I could have did some research and looked it up. But all I know is that when I was six or seven, I had the coolest gift ever given to me. It was designed in such a way that made me uh, prosper. It made me feel like I was all that. It made me be a part of a bigger group. And, you know, just the essence of this invention changed the lives of millions of kids. And I, and I, would, I would venture to guess that if you were in that generation or in that time demographic, that you probably have experienced this miracle of invention as well. And what I'm referring to is this thing called the big wheel. <laughs> Shown on our screen today. Um, I had one just like that, but mine wasn't pink. Mine was uh, more orange. But I did have the cool flappers on the, on the handlebars, and this was the greatest invention of all time, in my view. As a child, when I got one of these, it made me part of a bigger club. This, this tool, this toy, this big wheel, had the ability to transform a, uh, a young man into or, or a young boy into a young man and if who, who had a big wheel all right who is who has never seen a big wheel okay well there it is <laughs> okay that's a big wheel and the coolest thing about this is that every kid on the block had one so if you had one you were part of the cool crowd and when having this bike this invention that changed lives the coolest thing about this invention is one it's on three wheels those of us that were too young to balance on two wheels, this was the way. This was the gig. This was, you were part of a, a rolling crew that, that took no prisoners. The greatest thing about this invention is that you can do these killer 360 spin-outs, which really released the freedom and the liberty in all those who participated in this event. The truth of it is that whoever designed it was a, was a genius because... You can't replace any part on this big wheel. They made the wheels out of hard plastic, which as a young man wasn't too bad, but they wear out. And, and the part that wore out on the big wheel quickest was that big wheel, right? And that's because all the power is generated off that front wheel. As you can see, the pedals, and I'm sure I don't have to go into the propulsion of, of how this works, but... The power is in the front. And what we would do as kids, and I'm sure you could testify to, you get up some speed, right? And you fly as fast as your feet and legs can move. And then you would slam on the brakes or you would stop your feet from moving and turn the wheel. And what that would do is it would do these radical 360s. And in that 360, there was like, it was just like the coolest thing ever. It was that thing that which you know, just made who you were. Whoever could do the most raddest 360 uh, and all different kind of configurations was obviously one of the coolest guys on the block. 
Unfortunately, the big wheel wore out because it was plastic. When you slammed on the brake, what it did is it wore out the wheel in that spot. Uh, it flat-topped the wheel. And every time you did a spin-out cool 360 move, it would take a little more life off of that wheel to the point where once the wheel wore out, it was toast. It was good for nothing. We had a graveyard of big wheels that whoever designed it did like metal caps. You know, there are no, there are no ways to replace the wheel. You know, you couldn't go to a big wheel shop and buy a big wheel for the front of your big wheel to make it usable. So when it wore, when it wore out, it was, it was worthless. So the guy, see, there's a dilemma because you want to be cool and you want to be able to do the best 360 spin outs you can. But in, on the other hand, you know that the life expectancy of my greatest invention ever is, is decreasing by every time I do it. So if you've had one, you know that you just ended up trashing the front wheel because the essence of the big wheel was to do your, do your thing and roll with your crew and, and be all that. Um, so in essence, it becomes broken. And I don't know about you, but most people don't like brokenness. They don't like broken things. We don't go out and buy broken toys or broken cars or broken mirrors or windows or, or, or any of that. The truth of the matter is most of us don't even like when it is relational, when it comes to who we are, the, the, the essence or the feeling of being broken. I find in the church today that there is, a, there is a lack. We have an identity issue. We have an identity crisis in the church. And I think it's because we are, we are going after the things of God in, in maybe an inappropriate way. Although it seems natural. And we know that every time we lock up that wheel, we know that it's taking time off my ride. Sooner or later, it was going to happen. But we do it anyway. And it ends up being broken. Brokenness within the church is, is something that uh, is very rarely talked about. In years of ministry, you know, you, you don't really hear a lot about this. Today in the culture in, in Western Christianity, we, we talk about victory and liberty and, 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 you know, the best life now and, and, and all these things that, that make us feel like if you're broken, you're less or your value is less. Well, the truth of the matter is completely the opposite. The truth of it is, is that all of us are broken. We are all broken. And it's the understanding of the brokenness in me that actually increases who I am in effectiveness to the kingdom of God. Our text is Psalms fifty-one seventeen, and it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, or that word in the Hebrew means crushed. One of the translations means to be crushed. And everybody in here at some point in their life has been crushed. You have been broken. You have experienced something in your life that has taken you from present truth, that thing that you understood to be true. You know, you've had plans. You've had all these 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 directions in which you would want to go. And, and for some reason, somehow something happened that crushed you, crushed your heart, took you from solid, standing true to not knowing, 
And we think that's a bad thing. We have a hard time coming to the place of, of understanding that the fact of the matter is that brokenness is a necessity. Brokenness must happen to every person, and it's a good thing. Okay, that is my statement. That is what I want you to chew on, that brokenness is something that you must experience. And it's what we do with the experience that makes the difference. You know, you cannot control your circumstances. Circumstances are what they are. It is what it is. You can't control your perspective, which will always equal your experience in every aspect of life, and especially spiritually. Jesus is, is our greatest example. If we, if, here's, I'm going to step on a couple of misconceptions this morning. And hopefully the grace among brethren and sisterin will be such that you can take it for what it is and, and, you know, apply it where you feel free. The truth of it is that a lot of us here, we read the Bible and we see these characters in the Bibles, the patriarchs, you know, David, you know, all the prophets. We see the disciples and, and men and women in the Bible. And, and we were just in awe many times of them. The truth of the matter is that you are no different than those people. You are created in his image. They were created in his image. There are issues in their lives that we have. If you look at the 12, let's just look at Jesus' disciples, the guys that hung with him for three and a half years. They had issues. You know, they argued over who was the greatest. We don't do that. We don't argue about who's the greatest pastor out there. We all know it's Lucas, you know. <laughs> you know, we, we see these TV guys and, you know, Everybody's got their favorite and they'll argue towards it, you know, or we argue amongst ourselves, you know, nobody here has an assigned seat. Nobody's going to fight over who sits where, you know, like the, like a couple of the guys did, you know, the people, those disciples who had issues on a bad day, they would want to call down fire from heaven to torch their enemies. God forbid, sometimes we have a bad day and, you know, a coworker or brother or sister, they, they deserve a good torching. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is the same kinds of things that they dealt with, we deal with. So you're, we're no different. But here, here, here's the point. While they were walking with Christ for three, three and a half years, they had been endued with some power. You know, their faith was on a level of some, some degree that they have experienced some power. For instance, Jesus sent them out to do some street reach ministry. And the disciples went out and, and they had some success because they would come back to Christ and tell Christ, listen, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And what it did is it puffed them up. It, their pride built up. And, and I could just see Christ rolling his eyes. There was um, some other followers of Christ that weren't part of the twelve. And they were out there sharing the truth of who Jesus was, the good news. And the, the disciples, when they were out doing their street ministry, saw them doing their thing and rebuked them. And he went back and Jesus told his guys, he's like, listen, just because they're uh, not part of our, you know, my four and no more crew doesn't mean that you can rebuke them and tell them to stop. If they're not against us, they're for us. So just a little bit of power, just a little bit of the, 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 the sense of who we are because of what God's doing in us tends to puff us up, tends to, to make us prideful. 
That is why brokenness is essential to every believer. Brokenness is the key. I know and I've experienced uh, coming from a Pentecostal background that there are really good people in church. Their hearts are after God. They seek after God. They, they want more, more power, more anointing. And the way they get it is in error, in my view, because they, and it's because they've been taught in our culture that we are to seek after God. I just want more of the Lord. I'm going to go after more of the Lord. The truth of it is, and here's another misconception. There is no believer that has any greater measure of the presence of God in their life than another. There is no believer that has a, a less of an anointing on them because of their inferior or they're not as, you know, um, whatever, spiritual as the next person. Every person in this room, every church, every believer, every follower has the fullness of Christ in them, the fullness thereof. You may see people who, who seem to, you know, just, just ooze out God, just seems to have that special anointing on their life, and, and God seems to use that. That person will tell you that the way to that power is not through seeking more of God. People cry out to God every day for more and more of him. And many and most never receive that power. It's because they're going at it in the wrong direction. Every believer, if you're a believer here, you are on level playing ground with any other believer. The ground is flat at the cross. There is no prima donnas. There are no superstars in the body of Christ. We are all equal. The people who seem to have that anointing in, in our perception are the people who have embraced brokenness. Embraced brokenness. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You have everything you need. If I was to ask you this morning, what do you lack spiritually? The answer would be nothing. Zero. There is nothing that you lack. Every single believer. Well, somebody, let me just give you some scripture. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, God is no respecter of persons. We all know that. That he has blessed all of us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has given all believers. Do you know if you transliterate the word all in the Greek, you know what it means? All. All. It doesn't change. God has given you all spiritual blessings. Of course, we all have been given giftings and abilities and we use them as the Lord enlightens them and, and uses them. But it doesn't make you any greater or any less. So today, if you're here and you feel like you're really not effective for the kingdom of God, or you're really not, you know, in that crowd where, where they just seem to be such special people. Um, let me tell you something. You have all that you need. The truth is that we have to figure out how to release that life force 
that, that presence of Christ in us to come out of us. That's the, that is how we should be looking at things. That is how the word of God develops in our life and changes us to be more like Christ through brokenness. You can sit in front of your TV this morning and you can see a bunch of people preaching that this life can be better, that this life is the greatest life that right here, right now, you can have all of your heart's desires. You can, you can receive all the profit. You can, you can manipulate God in such a way that, that God would give you all that you need. That's bordering on heresy, if you ask me, because it never refers to the agenda of God in our life. It refers to my agenda in God's doing in my life. For in Christ dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. We are complete in him, which is the head in all principalities and powers, Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Romans 8 and 32 says, He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for all, how shall he not withhold him who also freely gives all that you ask? No single believer is more anointed than another. That's a misconception. It's actually, it's actually demonic, if you ask me. Because the, the, the way that the Satan wants to attack the church other than convince you that the more busy you are, the more accepted you are, is that he will get us comparing ourselves one to another. And when we compare ourselves one to another, we are either great in, in our own eyes or we're awful. It all depends on the comparison, that, that element of who we're comparing ourselves to. You can always find somebody you look good against, but there's always somebody out there that, that you really feel pretty bad after looking at their life and then looking at yours. And that's demonic. No Christian should put himself up against, uh, up, uh, up against another Christian because it always hurts who we are. Drive through a really nice neighborhood of houses and you get home and you're like, oh man, I live in this dump. But you drive through a, a neighborhood, the slums or the projects, and you get home and you're like, oh man, my house is great. What's changed? Nothing except our perception. Nothing has changed. The fact of the matter is that we are people who are blessed with all spiritual blessings. So you are as good as any other Christian. You are as powerful. You Potentially, you have the power in you that will make the difference. It's just how we go about getting it, right? If there's a power shortage in your life, it's not because of the Lord. If, there, if, there's, if there's lack in your life, it's not because you're an inferior Christian or other Christians are more powerful than you, right? That's not the case. The question is, how do we get the power that we need to be what God's called the church to be as a whole and individually? We must stop seeking the Lord and start seeking his brokenness in our life. We need to start praying that the Lord breaks us. That's not a real popular sermon title or subject, but the truth of the matter is that John the Baptist what did he say? What's his favorite quote? His quote is he says that we must decrease so that he can increase. See, God increases at the proportion of our decrease. So the amount that I decrease today is the amount that God increases in me. And if we want more of God, we have to decrease. Decreasing only happens within brokenness. Why? Well, we talked about those, those guys that got a little bit of power before the cross and they become all puffed up. 
What would have happened if the Holy Spirit fell? And I know theologically and doctrinally it's an error, but just hypothetically, what would have happened if the Holy Spirit descended upon those 12 guys before the cross? What would have happened? It would have been a train wreck because they had not been broken yet. They were not prepared or fitted for what that power would consume. It would be like a teenager trying to learn how to drive in a NASCAR. You know, you got 900 horsepower and you put a kid that's never been behind the wheel before, you know, and, and that, the car's spinning out, it's falling all over, it's crashing everything around because there's too much power. We must be people who are broken first before, or in other words said, God chose to bring us to Calvary before he brought us to Pentecost because we must be broken first. Jesus Christ is our example. He died on the cross. He was broken for us so that we may come to him. Apart from Christ's body being broken for us, we had no chance of ever coming to God. So first, he had to be broken so that we could have life. Amen? Apart from his sacrifice, we could do nothing. It is in that sacrifice that we have life. It is in that sacrifice that Christ is honored and, and he, is, he is put in a place that, that is purposeful and perfect. Jesus said all the time, many times in the Gospels, that I am the bread of life, right? I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. A couple the Thursday before his death on the cross, he sat down with his guys. And, and Pastor Lucas talked about his son last week and the week before and weeks and weeks and weeks. But the truth of the matter is that the last supper, the Passover supper, Jesus said that, you know, my body, it must be broken so that you may receive the forgiveness. Life in Christ as a human being must die before we can receive the truth and the power because it is the truth of Christ in us. Jesus taught within that time period before uh, the crucifixion, but after the, the Passover, he says in John 12, 23 through 25, he gives us an example of this issue. And he says, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies and brings forth much fruit, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. He's saying, listen, here's an acorn. You hold the acorn in your hand. What do you have in your hand? You have a seed. What else do you have in your hand? You have a tree. What else do you have in your hand? You have a forest. But unless that seed is planted, unless that seed dies, unless the outer shell of that seed breaks open and dies, that tree, that acorn that becomes a tree will never be a tree. It'll never be a forest. Jesus says, if you take it home, take it home, put it on your desk. See what it's going to do. You think it's going to grow? All you will ever have is an acorn. All you will ever have is um, a seed. It must die first. Brokenness. We must die to ourselves first. 
so that God can release his life force in us. You want anointing? You want power? You want to be changed by the glory of God? We have to be broken in our spirit. We have to die to ourselves. Jesus said many, many times that we need to take up our cross to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. That's how life comes. We deny ourselves and follow him. If Jim doesn't deny himself, I cannot follow Christ because Jim's agenda is different than Christ's agenda. Christ is life. He is the only way to life. It is through him and only through him that we have life. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is as a man who casts a seed to the ground and should keep sleep. And he rises at night and at day and the seed should spring up and grow and knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth the fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and then the fullness of the corn. The beauty of this thing is, All we have to do is submit to the brokenness and God brings the fruit. God brings the power. Once it is cracked open, he floods in. And it's that flooding in is the power that we're looking for. It's not being more faithful to church or it's not being, although you should be faithful to church and it's not about giving more money or baptizing here or anything that you can do. It's about being broken And allowing God to fulfill what he said he would do in our lives. Brokenness is huge. He says, the kingdom is like this. If you do not plant that seed, nothing grows. And we know, we've seen it. You probably know, or maybe this is you, that you have received the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But there is no growth. There is no fruit. There is nothing happening. And we ask ourselves, why? Why is that? I go to church. I give. My, the disciples were sincere when they followed Christ, but they weren't broken. We are sincere. Many of us push against brokenness. God says, embrace it. Embrace the brokenness and go towards him. Once you open up those floodgates, he comes flooding in. The story of the alabaster box, right? Mark 14 and 3. Mark 14 and 3 says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as Jesus sat at the meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Well, this ointment is very expensive. And and whenever you you hear oil or, or ointments in the Bible, it always speaks to the holy spirit or life or or power well this alabaster box alabaster is like a stone type product which they used to make vases with but they also used to make caskets with it as well and we see yet again the only way to get that perfume out of that alabaster box is to break it again we see life coming from death again we see power of christ in something through the loss or the breaking of it some of us unfortunately value the container more than what's in it some of us value the way we are now instead of allowing god to break us and to be what he would have us to be we're consumed with how we look or 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 how we are presented before people or and all of that none of that matters 
God doesn't care about the external. He cares about the internal. Last week, Pastor Lucas talked about being changed from the inside out. God cares about your heart, and he works from there and pushes his power out. While a heart that is set after Jim cannot receive the power of God in my life because it's all rooted in pride. That heart has to be broken. We have to be people who are willing to to allow God to flood us with what he wants done. And then finally, the temple. We found, and, and Pastor Lucas talked about last week, the veil, right? The veil was there to separate God from man. The veil was there And that veil, like Pastor Lucas talked about last week, was ripped. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Now, this curtain, some experts say, is about that thick. That thick. So no man could ever rip it, but especially not from the top to the bottom. This is a heavy-duty curtain. It's a veil. It separated us from God. You couldn't even sneak a peek. You couldn't just run in there and kind of just push it back and take a look. Because you would die because that's how God rolls for a purpose and a greater purpose. But the truth is that when we look at the temple or when we look at the, the, the tabernacle or, or, or just the setup of it all, we see that there are three parts, the Holy of Holies, the Holies, and then the outer court. Well, there are three parts of man, mind, body, and soul, spirit and soul. And the fact of the matter is that the Holy of Holies in the man is the part that's the inner part of who we are. And in between the inner man and the outer man shell, there is a veil of flesh there. And that veil must be ripped. The veil must be torn so that God and man can have communion back together. Where God is, there is power. And we want to be people who are full of power, but we don't want the brokenness. God would say to you today that, You need to embrace brokenness. If you're here today and you're going through something very difficult and it's shaking the core of who you are, maybe it's the Lord doing something in your life. Pretty good chance that if you embrace the fact that you were broken, God will come rushing into who you are. Why don't Christians flourish? Why don't Christians you know, serve? Why don't Christians be what God's called them to be? Well, because they got this veil in between them and God. It must be torn. It must be broken. Broken is good. A broken big wheel is bad, but a broken spirit is the sacrifice in which God desires from us. He desires that from us. Jesus is so good. That if we could do anything we can to pay back who he is, we would jump at it. Most of us would go and everything we have for it. Well, listen, all we have to do is pray that God breaks us. Not, you don't hear that too often. But Lord, help me to decrease. I need my pride broken. You know, you give a good sermon, you, you teach something that's profitable, and you leave there feeling pretty good, and all of a sudden, you keep dwelling on that, and all of a sudden, you're somebody. That's not the case at all. Or all we need is a little bit of you know, proof or positive actions to happen in our lives, and all of a sudden, it tends to push up Jim or push up pride. God says, nah, nah, it doesn't work. Come on, guys. 
The truth of the matter is that Jesus died for you. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we have that famous, those famous passages that was given to us. Right? Those, those believers or those high priests that went into the Holy of Holies had to make sacrifices for themselves and for the nation. They had to do what was prescribed to them to do so that they could go in and make intercession. They had to make all these offerings. And we talked about last week with Pastor Lucas with the neighborhood barbecue. Remember? Everybody nod their head. Yeah, they remember his sermon last week. The truth is that they, they had to sacrifice meat and, 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 and beef and, or whatever the animal may be, birds. Or, they had to make a, a sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us, Paul tells the church, he's talking to you, he's talking to me. He says, I beseech you, or I really urge you guys, right, to give yourself as a living sacrifice. That is a never-ending sacrifice. That is a daily sacrifice. That is giving myself up to be broken for you. Christ says, listen, through Paul, he says, give your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable sacrifice act of service it is your act of worship one text gives today god is looking for some broken people he is looking for for his church to stand up and embrace the brokenness some of this is very uncomfortable and that's a good thing I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto thee. Then he goes on, he says, listen, do not be conformed to this world. This is where it it flops on us. Jesus always would teach that it's not the norm that matters. It's the extraordinary or what doesn't make sense over here makes sense spiritually. In the natural, it makes no sense, but spiritually, it makes sense. He's saying, listen, this world will tell you this is how you're supposed to be. And in that culture and in that personhood of who we are, our natural being tells us that brokenness is no good. You can't do anything with a broken big wheel. Well, God says different. He says, if you want life, you will lay your life down, not try to keep it. Brokenness must be embraced Jesus right now his heart is for you to receive that truth to embrace that truth his heart is that we become powerful people through the brokenness of who we are we will sacrifice the way he asks us to sacrifice we will lay down our agenda so that his agenda can be fulfilled It is only his way that matters. We cannot be those people unless we are broken. And some of us today don't have any clue what I'm talking about. Some of us here aren't even believers. There might be one or two or however many in here that someday at some point, you know, said a prayer somewhere and believed that prayer and, but nothing's really changed. You know what hasn't, what happened? What happened was, You were saved by the grace of God, but there is no brokenness that allows the power and the flood of God's presence to come into your life. Today, there's people.
people up here at the, at the stage here that, that wants to agree with you and help to pray you through some brokenness. If you're here today and there's an area in your life that God is speaking to you right now about being broken, I urge you to get with these folks. They want to pray with you. They want to believe with you. They want to allow and experience and see the power of God in you come flooded in. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need God. And I believe you need God. So today, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised 10 minutes from now. This is the moment. If that's you and you want prayer, you want to come up here, but we're going to get ready to sing a song about God who, who is for us. Jesus gave you everything you need. There is nothing that you lack. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, today you walk with your head up, shoulders back, and with an anointing that will change the world. The amount of people in this building could, could tear up Brunswick County in a heartbeat if we would just humble ourselves and if we would seek his face and that we would allow God's power and circumstances to allow us to come to him. But there's this big problem. It's called pride. Man, what are they going to think if I get up out of my chair? I've been coming here for so long, people are going to think I'm, I'm this or I'm that. The only thing that matters is you and Jesus. That's all that matters. But if you guys would, you want to stand on our feet like you could stand any other way. Want to stand and uh, we're going to sing this song again. And in the midst of, of worship and in the midst of singing these songs, if you need prayer, come on up here and let these anointed people of God who have been broken before God to, to agree with you. Amen. Remember, Jesus loves you and he's not going to leave you the way he found you. So we know his love and we want to share it with the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.